Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? another thrill-packed episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies as 1980's Superman 2, The Adventure Continues, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Uh, it is great. I am very excited because uh, we have some... I, I, I have a little piece of trivia for this five minutes that I literally cannot wait to share with you. So let's get to it. And I do not know it. Rob right. has told me that he's going to blow my mind here later. I so hope I'm I haven't oversold it. it, but nevertheless, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy when I get to share something with you, Chris, that like you don't know. Because you do a lot of notes for these minutes. I do a lot of notes. And I just got lucky that this was something you didn't look up, and I did. And I just think you'll appreciate it when we get to it. Well, I like doing things like this morning. Our, our buddy Brian Heiler had posted – on the Amigo Museum, a Hawkeye Pierce on a motorcycle toy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I sent that to you, and it blew your mind. So. It, could, uh, it floored me that there was a Hawkeye Pierce <laughs> stunt cycle toy. It is, <laughs> as we all know from that episode of MASH, where he jumped over the minefield uh, with his uh, motorcycle. I, I have never wanted a toy more in my life, but it was a little too pricey, but... I didn't even know that thing existed. I am – oh, my – I couldn't – I could not post that on enough social media when you shared that. So, yes, thank you for that. It was amazing. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, back to Superman. Uh, the, the, sorry for the derailing there. Kids uh, love minute, their stunt cycles. They love they, characters they love on stunt cycles. I mean, Evil Knievel, Alan Alda. I think he'd be better off following Alan Alda <laughs> as a role model than Evil Knievel, folks. I I'm just so. saying. I love Evil Knievel toys, but let's face it. Okay. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Minutes 20 through 25 begin with many bystanders taking note of the accident that Clark just caused in the street and ends with Cliff Clavin at Mission Control in Houston. <laughs> so yet another Fire and Water reference. There you go. It's a little uh, known fact. Another Fire and Water show. Little known fact that he worked in, at NASA. Uh, Clark walks away from the accident. Last time we saw Clark, he gets hit by a taxi. He walks away from the accident while Lois, while Lois chastises him for being so careless, and our hero not only leaves a destroyed cab in his wake, he totally risks blowing his secret identity. We see the cab, and it looks like it hit a phone pole head-on. What do you think of this, Rob? I'm not a big fan of this gag. Uh, I just feel like this is one of those things where it's Mr. Lester's just taking it too far, because, uh, look, I, I know, it's a Superman movie. We can't take this too terribly seriously. But, I mean, this is... Not only is Superman being very cavalier with breaking somebody's, because he jaywalked, like yeah. he got in front of the cab. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was walking across the crosswalk and the 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 the, the cab went through a red light, but like he got in front of the cab. He's in the wrong, and he just destroyed the guy's cab. And so, a that's not a very Superman thing to do. And second, why did why Superman exists in this world? Doesn't everybody go? What just, uh, did, huh? Like, aren't you, aren't you, 
afraid you're revealing your identity to everybody by doing this. So I, I just think I think it's one of those things that the writers, the rewriters were like, oh, that'll be a funny gag. But it, it's just I think it just takes it a little too far. Right. And, and there's scenes uh, behind the scenes uh, footage from the making of Superman to that old documentary from the 80s that came out when the movie came out that shows uh, Lester and Christopher Reeve like working out the beats of this gag. And I mean, it, when I was a kid, I liked it. I thought it was cool. You know, I was like, it was, it was funny. But now it does. It, it just like kind of like spreads the credulity of this whole yeah, thing yeah. way thin. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and it's kind of weird. This is like the opposite of the verisimilitude that Richard Donner pushed, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, it really is. It's like the anti-verisimilitude to a point because it's, you know, I mean, I think a better gag would have been if they wanted to do a gag like this. And I know here I am armchair quarterbacking a you know forty year old movie, but but <laughs> but that's what we're here for. So you know have the have the cab bump Clark right, and Clark kind of like like at least no, acts like it knocks him back a little bit, like he falls over. He gets up and he's like, I'm all right, I'm all right, it's okay. And then Lois gets on him, she's get chastised him. They walk away. The guy comes out to look at the front of his cab. They're already in the building or at the Daily Planet building or something. Then the front end of the car just falls off. There you, you know? go, yeah. I mean, you get the same effect of the gag, but then nobody can say, wait a minute, that guy, you know, where's he at, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. You know, because everybody around saw that happen. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, it, it looks like it wrapped, the front end of that car wrapped around a phone pole. So it's like, yeah, it just, it's, it's we're going to get more of this later, folks, but this is the type of stuff that pulls this movie down, in my opinion. I don't want to be negative, but... As great as I, this movie is and as much as I love it, it's this type of stuff that I'm just like, yeah, don't really – yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, this, these are the aspects of it that I'm kind of like – when I was a kid, I thought it was cool and kind of cute. But now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, that's just too broad. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I didn't even really think about that in comparison to how – what you're saying about Donner, that he tried so hard to get the verisimilitude – we love that word uh, – from the yeah. first film. And then this is purposely like tweaking that. So, yeah, it's it's – I, I agree with you. I like your rewrite. <laughs> I think okay. that would have worked out really well. Okay. Well, good. I should get a credit, a uh, screen credit now. That's <laughs> Superman 2, the Franklin cut. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so we go into the Daily Planet building, and Lois is still commenting on what she just saw, which is, you know, and later on, this the whole secret identity angle is going to come up in this movie. So it's like, how could she not question this? But okay, we're going to leave the we're going to leave the accident behind and move on. Uh, so I guess her Superman interview got Lois in office. Did you notice that? Oh, geez, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Yeah, she's got a whole office. She used to just have a desk out in the bullpen, but she's got a whole nice office now. Yeah, I, well, you know that's what happens when you get exclusives with Superman. When God talks to Moses, you know. There you go. I mean, so that's right. <laughs> Now, Clark seems like he drops his briefcase off out in the bullpen area, so it looks like Clark's still slugging away. <laughs> you know, he's a great reporter, but Lois Lane is better, you know, right. according to That's Perry right. White. That's so, right. And I, I thought you would appreciate this. We see roller skates on the back of Lois's door. I so saw you, that, yes. Do you think Lois did an expose on roller derby corruption, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite possibly. Yeah. How many Z's in Razier? Uh Yeah, I don't know. She probably wrote something very lurid, called like you know, blood on the dance floor or something like that. That was probably more her speed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
As they talk in Lois's office, Clark hints at being jealous of Superman, who of course comes up, uh, which uh, Lois notes as she begins cutting up oranges to make some homemade orange juice, preaching perfect health while ironically talking with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> now, we saw Lois smoke in the first film, but I kind of thought that might almost be like a casual, you know, she was waiting for him to come, so she smoked the cigarette like she occasionally smokes or something. Here she comes across as a chain smoker. What do you, oh, what yeah. do you think about that? Oh, they, they yeah. ramp it up. Yeah, I mean, they, they they have that really gross shot of her with the stamping out the cigarette and the ashtray full of cigarettes. It's really gross. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I forget, somebody said this to me years ago. I forget who it was. We were talking, me and one of my nerd friends were talking about these movies, and they said that they thought the difference between the first movie and the second movie was like, you could see why Superman would fall in love with Lois Lane in the first film, but in the second film, you're kind of like, really? Like, she seemed more... It's just not as alluring because she's, you know, she's just kind of always talking with a cigarette in her mouth. And I could see that a little. So, again, I think it's a it, it, it's probably like another gag that maybe just is pushed a little too far. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Like the smoking, she could be nervous. And Superman even kind of gives her the whole deal with, you know, no lung cancer yet. Thank goodness. But, right. yeah, they're kind of overdoing it a little uh, here. I do want to mention something, though. Unrelated to that, there's a nice little piece of prop detail that when she walks into the office, walks into her office, and you see all the bric-a-brac pinned up to her uh, her board, and there's like a framed photo over to the left around the 20 minute and 45 second mark. There is an old Daily Planet, and it's the headline "It Flies," which is one of the papers that Perry slapped down uh, in the first film. I think, I think it's one of the rival papers because he was going through all the headlines. It was like the post. It flies. The, the, it's this. Yeah. And so I thought that's a nice little detail that uh, you know they still have all the papers from Superman's debut. I thought that was a nice touch of the prop department. Oh, that is really nice. I hadn't noticed that. That's cool. And 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 yeah, because I, the the Daily Planet was Cape Wonder Stun City, which is that's you right. know the that's right. whole Cape Wonder website comes from that. So yeah. So. Um, um, I thought it was interesting. We see a uh, exercise bike in the background as well. So it's like Lois is really pushing this, you know, all natural. Uh, you know, she's making orange juice. She's exercising on her bike, but yet she's smoking like crazy, which yep. is. <laughs> and I know, I know people like that. I know someone who's a vegetarian who smokes, and I'm like, why are you bothering? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're the, definitely people are like that. So yep. um, Lois gives Clark some unwanted constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. Like, I, love his, I love his response. Uh, can I offer you some constructive cynicism? Uh, no, not really, or something. You know, so. she, she's like, do you, she's like, do you mind if I give you some good? He's like, well, actually, yes. And then she just keeps talking. <laughs> yeah, I love that he sneaks that in. Well, actually, yes. I, I don't want to yeah. hear this. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, and then she mentions going with her gut. You see something you want, you go for it. That's what I do. And then Clark responds, um, uh, yes, I've noticed. Uh, which. <laughs> There's such great timing between those two. They have such great chemistry and back and forth, you know, which we talked about in the in the first movie. But it's still here. But now this is something, and this is a, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to dwell on this, and I don't I don't want to. I hope people don't take it the wrong way. But this is something you brought up last time, and I think it bears mentioning here. Margot Kidder's appearance in this film it. it it stands out in this sequence, particularly in the sequences that Lester shot anyway, obviously. It's quite different than in the previous movie. Um, she seems to have lost quite a bit of weight. Yeah, and she's she certainly, gaunt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she didn't need to lose any weight because she was thin to begin with. Um, and like you said, you brought this up. I don't think the cinematographer, Robert Paintner, 
does her any favors here either. You know, he doesn't like the lady like uh, Jeffrey Unsworth said, you know. Right. Um, and I kind of wonder, I mean, I think some of that may be, you know, I mean, this could be, we obviously know now that Margot Kidder had a lot of uh, problems with uh, bipolar disorder. And, you know, of course, she had substance abuse problems because of that and things through her life. So that probably affected her appearance. But I don't think any care was taken to make her look better than that either. You know, mm-hmm. I just I, I and I and you got to factor into she probably didn't, you know, she had been very vocal about the Salkinds and what they did with firing Donner. And she wasn't a fan of Richard Lester and she was very vocal about it. And so you kind of almost got to think maybe they just weren't going to do much more to make her look better than they had to either. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but you know, and, and you'll see later when we were going now, right now, it's all everything we've seen so far of Lois, I think has been Lester. But when we start seeing shots of her back and forth, Donna Lester, Donna Lester, it's super obvious and hard to miss. You know. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I don't think again we're kind of being more negative than I think we both intended to be, but you can't help it because we're in the beginning stages of the movie. I think everybody here doesn't look as good. I don't think Christopher right. Reeve looks as good. I think the makeup department like pasted his hair down too hard, where it looks like it's like melted rubber, like it's a record that's a vinyl record that's melted. Instead. <laughs> so I don't think everybody here looks quite as supple or quite as movie starish. Uh, yeah. As they did in the first film, and like I said, maybe that is because of the cinematographer. We do know we already talked about that. Yes, Lester went for a different visual approach, uh, mm-hmm. and that may be something related to everything. I just think, yeah, I think everybody. I mean, they they can only do so much with with Margot Kidder because obviously, if she lost lost a lot of weight, there's not much they could do. But I just don't think every. I think everybody here doesn't quite look as good as they probably did in the first film. I noticed uh, in our last one of our last episodes, I, I failed to mention it, and I meant to bring it up that that Jackie Cooper looks older and more wrinkled mm-hmm. than he did in the previous movie, and it's only been a couple years. Right. So, you know, so yeah, I think you're right. I just don't think that the care was given to make them look like movie stars. You know, basically, uh, where you know in this one, it's more like. It's just more, and I hate to use that word again, it's got just more of a pedestrian filming style about it, you know, or mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but just more uh, functional, functional filming style. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh, Clark offers to help Lois with her juice maker, and he smashes his thumb in it. So he grunts a little bit and grimaces, and he makes way more of a deal of this than being hit by a car, which I think is Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> And I hate to, it sounds like we're being really negative this one. I don't mean to be because this is really fun because Lois tells Clark she really cares, after all, what her friend's for, she says, which of Clark's like, oh, friends, huh? And then she gives the slightly dejected Clark a tiny bit of orange juice. <laughs> and Christopher Reeve gives us one of his awesome, charming reaction shots that he does. So <laughs> Christopher Reeve was so good at light comedy that is, mm-hmm. a, it is a damn shame that he really didn't get a chance to do that in other movies. Uh, Not very I mean, many. You know, I mean, he did the, he did a, 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 a farce called Switching Channels, which isn't very good. But other than that, he really didn't get a chance to do very many comedies at all. I mean, he did a lot of other really good movies. Death Trap, which I think is a great movie, and he's in um, Remains of the Day with Emma Thompson, mm-hmm. and he was in The Bostonians, and he did, so he did, you know, some other good stuff, but he very rarely got to do comedy, and he had a real Cary Grant 
kind of touch. He was this big, handsome guy, but he was able to do his lines. Like, yeah, hey, that line about the, well, yes, actually. Like, it's, it's yeah. utterly charming. And it's just a damn shame that nobody thought of him as capable or, or just, he just wasn't offered that kind of material. I mean, they weren't really making those movies at that point, but nevertheless, it, it's a shame that he just didn't get the chance because I think he was probably really good at it. Yeah, I mean, his his whole persona almost seemed like of an older Hollywood type mm-hmm. to a point, you know. And uh, he's really great in the movie Noises Off. He's hilarious. I, for, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because he, he is good in that, and I forgot that he did do that one. So, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great – that's a really funny – I need to watch that again. That's a really funny movie with a great cast. I mean, that's one of those, like, holy cow, how'd they get all these people in this yep, movie? Yep. Uh, and he's, he's great in that, yeah. Um, so we leave the Daily Planet, and then we cut to a maximum security prison, which I'm supposing it's maximum security, although later we'll see. Eh, maybe not so much. <laughs> uh, where we once again meet Otis and Lex Luthor, who are working in the prison laundry. Uh, Lex laments his current predicament. Uh, he's uh, he's clad in prison stripes, but he's got a stylish cravat, which I think's not <laughs> still wearing stripes like that in 1980 no i or, don't believe so i think they're in i think this was orange jumpsuits i think by this point maybe that maybe this is too early for that but yeah no this these are prison outfits right out of like a, a beagle boys cartoon or something i'm surprised they don't have like domino masks or whatever when they're running around so <laughs> but you know hey, it's it's a comic book so it's okay right i mean you know even in the comic books classically through the silver age Lex stayed in his prison grays all the time. The right. dude wouldn't even change out of him. You know, it's like, well, I know he's going to catch me by the end of this issue. I might as well just leave it on, you know. Uh, so I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, there's some clever dialogue uh, as we we as we find out, uh, uh, you know, Lex got life plus 25. Does that sound about right to you, you know, for what he did, you think? <laughs> At the very least. I mean, I mean, I guess they're I guess he's lucky that Metropolis uh, whatever state Metropolis is in in this universe uh, doesn't have the death penalty because I mean if you don't get the death penalty for trying to set off a n- nuclear bomb uh, in two different spots in America, I don't know what you get it for. Right? Uh, yeah, it's, it seems a little lenient. Yeah, and then the <laughs> fact that he's you know not locked up somewhere Hannibal Lecter style is kind of <laughs> too. You know, uh, he's Do just not hanging pass out. anything to Hannibal Lecter. Do not take anything from Hannibal or Lex Luthor. Do not hand him a pen. Do not do any of these things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. So now blow my mind, Rob. All right. Well, you're <laughs> going to set this up. So, so Luthor, as he's walking away with, uh, with Otis and they're doing the laundry, he leans over to a fellow inmate and he demands that he wants his Liberace record back, uh, which is funny. I mean, like Luthor listens to Liberace. I wouldn't really imagine that. And then the uh, inmate has a line where he says there's a scratch on it. And so I don't really know what that line means. Is it means like I don't I can't give it back to you because I've scratched it, or you gave it to me and I can't play it because I had a scratch on it? But it's just meant to be a funny line. But this actor, Fred Wood, is the guy who has this line. Now okay. I looked him up. He has a hundred and seventy nine credits, most of which are uncredited. So like this guy had a whole career of movies where he never got credited, but nevertheless he kept working. So here are just a few. Of Fred Wood's credits, okay? This is like, I I picked like seven movies out of the 179. Okay. This is a guy nobody's ever heard of, right? But nevertheless, this is some of his credits. Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Blow Up, Scrooge with Albert Finney, Twins of Evil, your favorite, 
Judge Dredd, uh, Santa Claus for the for the the, the Saul kinds, Superman three, of course, for the Saul kinds, and he's a cantina patron in Star Wars. Oh my God! Like this guy's <laughs> at the epicenter of every cool thing in the last twenty years. He did Hammer movies. He does Christmas classics. He's in Star Wars. He's in Superman. I'm like. And yet this guy, like, never got credited. Like, I would love to know what this guy's life was like. He probably had a really good life never getting credited in movies, but he kept working. I could, as I was going through his IMDb thing, I was started jotting down his credits. And I was like, oh, my God, he's in that. Oh, my God, he's in that. Oh, my God, he's in that. Like, unreal, this guy's career. I, 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 wow. That, (laughs) I think last time you and I talked about, there should be a movie about like character actors and Absolutely. things like that. There, this is the guy. Somebody find out what this guy's life story is and write a script. I mean, I, I'll give you the title of the movie, Uncredited. There you go. There you go, I man. There, I don't know if there is a movie called Uncredited, but if there, I don't care. That's the name of it, and it should be about this guy. <laughs> he lived to be he lived to be eighty years old. He's, he died in two thousand three, and literally almost every movie that he is in, I'll live. I'll list some others: Willow. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Brazil. Uh, he is not Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, Gandhi, Time Bandits. He is uncredited in every single one of them. Oh my gosh! So he must have just been like he must have just been friends with people that made movies, and they knew to put him in it because otherwise, you, it's not like you saw his name anywhere. But I, it, unreal. That he had this many awesome and worked with this many amazing directors and actors. So that's that's the guy. That's our Liberace collector guy. Oh my gosh! And you know, I mean, just the fact that you have a line, you know, back and forth with Gene Hackman. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, plus that'd be enough to say, yeah, I once, you know, had a uh, exchange with Gene Hackman in a Superman movie. Oh wow, you know. But I mean, all this other stuff. I mean. Jeez, I wonder who he was in the Cantina in Star Wars. I know, I know. I'd love to know what Cantina patron. Now, when I watch Star Wars again, I'm gonna have to like go through it bit by bit. Because, I mean, does that mean that he was one of the monsters, or is he one of the humans? I mean, if he's one of the monsters, you'll never know. I mean, it could be Walrus Man for all we know, or whatever. But uh, I'll, I'll have to pay attention and see if I recognize. It's hard to see him. He doesn't, you know, he's kind of got his hat down, and the, the scene goes by really fast. But I, I'll have to look for him next time I watch Star Wars because I'm, I'm just, I, I just, I could not believe it when I was like, because I do these kind of research, and most of these actors, you know, they have like a couple of credits, and some people do some other things. But when you see somebody who's uncredited, you're not expecting much. And then just to see that this guy just worked <laughs> worked with everybody for forty years is like that's just what an amazing life he must have led. Wow, that you you did you blew my mind. Okay, oh, I didn't oversell it. All right, awesome. <laughs> you, no, you didn't. That's that's awesome. I'm gonna go look this guy up when we get done. Uh, let me ask you something, I, and I, I want to tread lightly on this because I don't. I, I just put yourself. It's 1980. You're in a prison scene, and somebody brings up Liberace. Is this a little gay reference, little gay joke in the movie? Uh... You know, I mean, I guess you could take it like that. I didn't. I took it as just that Luthor has kind of weird music taste. Like, you know, that's just how I took it. Okay, okay. I mean, I I mean, Liberace wasn't out, but he was kind of one of those, like, everybody kind of knew. knew. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that this, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, it just popped in my head. It's like, you know, because a lot of movies back then, if you've got a prison scene, there's going to be a, 
usually pretty veiled gay joke. Yeah, in it, you know? yeah. So back then, so it's 1980. I'm just, you know. No, okay. I can see it. I, I, I guess they just figured like Luthor wouldn't listen to rock music, and so no. what's like something like, and they wanted something kind of old style, like I mean, you know, like a Johnny Mathis or they. I right. just thought they thought that would be funny that Luthor would listen to kind of like. I don't know, just like old school, middle of the road AM music, you know, or whatever. Right. So that's how I took it. And Liberace played a Batman villain. So there I, we're all right back to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Shandell. Uh, that's right. So uh, this scene, though, of course, now this scene for sure was shot by Donner because uh, and uh, and Unsworth, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, but, uh, because. Gene Hackman and uh, Ned Beatty never came back to work with Lester. Right. So, so we're in a Donner scene here. I know we're not we're not going to do that every time and go Donner Lester Donner Lester. Right. But right. anytime you see Lex, see Lex and see Gene Hackman's face. Yep. Then that's a Richard Donner shot scene. Yep. So directed scene. Uh, Lex and Otis discuss how Superman foiled their plans, and Otis mentions he always flies off north. Which Otis believes is to go ski. Go ski, uh, sure, of course. <laughs> the ski? You know, that look on his face, you know. Uh, <laughs> now, Lex mentions he didn't figure out Superman's vulnerable point before, but, dude, you put the kryptonite on him, so you kind of did. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think he did, really. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Lex. You found it. But apparently, you know, uh, figuring out why Superman flies north every time he takes off. Uh, I guess Clark don't go to his apartment very often. I guess he flies at, you know, to the fortress at night or something. But uh, now Lex has uh, developed a little black box, which he can use to track the Man of Steel, like radar, by tracking alpha waves. Apparently Superman emanates alpha waves. Now, you know, I don't know. It's, I don't know alpha waves from cosmic rays, from gamma rays. So I don't know if that there's any scientific basis there. <laughs> Uh, you know, solar radiation might have worked too, because obviously Superman's a big solar battery. But you know, that wasn't quite as emphasized, you know, as it is nowadays. So, uh, but Lex has got the little black box, which of course Otis like, oh, the little black box, you know, real loud. And, right, right. And Lex, Lex has to shush him, um, which I, I think is funny. Uh, the scene ends with Lex looking down at a pair of uh, underwear he's been holding the whole time, and in the TV edit. The scene continues with Lex telling Otis to spread around the notice that one of their fellow inmates is a bedwetter. Uh, that's cut out of here, but uh, it's in the thank goodness the TV. for that. <laughs> yeah, so and so is a bedwetter. So and so is a bedwetter. Pass it on. I mean, it's in the it's in the it's in the cut the TV cut because uh, because I was waiting for it here. I'm still part of me still kind of used to that TV cut because I wore that VHS tape out mm-hmm. when I taped off TV in 1984 or whatever it was when they first showed. Superman 2 on network TV. Um, so then we cut to uh, NASA Mission Control, and we hear a familiar voice, even if we haven't quite got a look at his face yet. Again, it's in Fire and Water crossover because it is it is our friend Cliff Clavin, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he is uh, you know talking to another guy about uh, why don't you watch the ball blip up and down for a while? So. And that's where uh, this segment ends. Got anything else to add about this one, Rob? I like the NASA set. I think it's really cool looking with those magenta tiles in the ceiling, and mm-hmm. then the, the big ray, the big uh, radar late readout. And I like the idea that at NASA, like it, at this point, we had done so many missions that it was kind of boring. 
yeah. I thought that was a fun idea that, you know, this is just routine for these guys. Like, oh, we have people in space. Nowadays, I mean, it is kind of routine, I guess, for us. We have the space station now that is out there, and there are people who, like, live on the space station for, I don't even know, like, years at a time almost? And, like, it just goes by unremarked. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to think that, like, not that long ago, that would have been, like, daily news that we, hey, we currently have people living in outer space right now yeah. as you're talking. <laughs> Yeah, uh, exactly. you know, and now it's just kind of routine. So I, I think that's like a fun detail that this is, these are just shift workers like everybody else, even though what you're doing is to the rest of it seems pretty exciting. Eh, it's, it's a living, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they even mentioned, I don't know if it's, uh, might be blurring where I accidentally watched over the minute, but they actually mentioned about, it's like, I forgot they're still up there or something, mm-hmm. you know, basically mm-hmm. comment about the fact that how long they've been up there, that type thing. So yep. and of course we'll get more of that in our next segment, but, uh, That'll do it for this time. So uh, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at fireandwaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself hosts. We won't list all those, but you can find them there. Rob does more than me, like I said, but it's not a contest. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, we'd love to read your comments on Superman 2 over at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And if you can leave us a review in iTunes, that'd be really great. Uh, Thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the shows at moviebyminute.com. They are doing The Force Awakens uh, right now on Star Wars Movie Minute, which is a lot of fun. Of course, that movie is a lot of fun, and they seem to be having a really good time with that movie, so that's great. And I'm really enjoying listening to it. Oh, me too. They're doing some really, really fun episodes. Yeah, very good. Uh, Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute. As the adventure continues, bye. Bye. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again.